It's another Saturday Night in Comedy, and this week on the panel, it is a veritable who's who in stand-up. From the hilarious offspring of one of comedy's all-time greatest giants, to an album decades in the making, produced by one of Canadian comedy's most loved icons. This panel is loaded with absolute comedy royalty. I'm Dean Young, and we're about to go Inside the Joke. Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to an all new Inside Jokes, baby, right here on 640 Toronto. And as always, streaming coast to coast, Canada wide, North America wide, planet Earth wide, all over the entire goddamn known universe on Global News Online. Uh, we got our producer, Vince Tedesco, on the line with us right now. We have it's where it's a bit of comedy royalty on the panel this week, Vince. We got uh, a, very much so, yes. Canadian very much so. American. It's a very it is a very mixed bag because first off, we have Sheba Mason, who is the daughter, the offspring of one of comedy's all-time most iconic giants, the late great Jackie Mason. Uh Sheba is hitting Toronto live for upcoming Toronto's comedy Jewish comedy festival, which is returning live in full form post Pandy. So it'll be kind of interesting to pick her brain about what that's like growing up the daughter of a infamous comedian. How do you end up doing the same thing as them? Do you live in their shadow a little bit? How how much how much of a strange growing up is that? What is home life like when you live very much a showbiz lifestyle, an old school showbiz lifestyle? So we got Sheba Mason on the panel, Ronan Geisler, of course, who is back bringing that festival back to us here in Toronto. And then a little later on, Vince, Dan Galea, longtime Toronto comic and producer, known for a slew of sort of alternative some might say eccentric new format shows here in Toronto is finally releasing his debut comedy album, 20 years in the making produced by none other than the legendary Scott Thompson of kids in the hall fame, which of course for our listeners now that is of course back in a new reboot form. Kids in the hall is back on the air. Scott, of course, no stranger to listen to listeners of this show or fans of Canadian comedy in general. So it is a stacked panel, Vince comedy royalty from both ends of the spectrum, from both sides of the border. Right here, right now on Inside Jokes. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, baby, right here on 640 Toronto. And as always, streaming all over the entire known goddamn universe on Global News Online. This week's episode is brought to you by literally no one. We are a show without a sponsor now. So, hey, we are... We are open we're for looking, business. We're looking for one. Whether you are a national brand of repute or a Toronto-based food truck, we quite frankly, we don't care at this point. You can sponsor a Canadian comedy radio show. <laughs> it is, of course, the return of Toronto's Jewish Comedy Festival, which it is so nice to actually uh, see this come back full form post-Pandy, because we call it the Pandy on this show, because let's have more fun with that. Uh, our old friend Ronan Geisler is back on the air, bringing this festival back to Toronto. How are you doing, Ronan? I'm pretty good. Thanks a lot for having me. You are unstoppable. Of course, last time we spoke to you was the good old, the good old pre-pandemic days when yeah. we were in a radio studio face to face with other human beings. But uh, you know, such is the such is the post-pandemic world in comedy as we know it. We're now coming to you on via Zoom. Uh, but you are bringing back this festival here in Toronto. It's so nice to actually see this thing come back full force. And joining us on the air right now, a fantastic headliner that's coming up to Toronto for this festival. 
purely comedy royalty. That's what we're going with this week because Sheba Mason, obviously a comic of note herself, is actually in LA right now performing, uh, but coming to Toronto to headline this festival. And of course, to those of our listeners who might not know, also just happens to be the daughter of the late, great, one of comedy's greatest icons, Jackie Mason. Sheba is with us right now. How are you doing? All right. Thanks for having me. It's incredible. It's kind of interesting. I mean, one thing, you know, and it's, it's, it's a perfect fit for you to come and headline the return of this festival. That's an exciting thing to happen here in Toronto. We are kind of, I mean, it's not really springtime in in Canada until mid July or so, but we are getting into onto sort of like the outer edges now of the start of festival season. So it's nice to see this stuff come back full force and just big live festivals again. So, I mean, the return of the Toronto Jewish comedy festival. So for you to come up and headline that is fantastic. I'm psyched to see that there's enough Jews like anywhere for a festival that we're still around. <laughs> Jews, this is New York light, really, is what Toronto is. It's like yeah. as as I mentioned before on the show, as Alec Baldwin once said, it's New York without all the things. That's really, that's really, <laughs> that's really what t- Toronto is. It's one thing I wanted to pick your brain on, though. I mean, it's kind of funny. I mean, you know, obviously, comedy and showbiz is such a strange career path to take. It's such an all encompassing lifestyle gig because it's in your blood it's for you it's literally in your dna but it's a 24 7 you're constantly hustling you're constantly grinding you're constantly on stage you're constantly schmoozing you're constantly building an audience it's a strange thing to pursue in your life for you but i mean you were obviously steeped in it you grew up around that you grew up in a very much a showbiz family and of course comedy coming from your father and you were around all these comics all the time growing up was that a strange I mean, for you, it's all you know, but was it sort of a strange way to grow up just being actually surrounded by this entertainment lifestyle? You know, and well, well, that's a good question. When I look back on it, it's probably strange. I mean, my mother is a playwright, too. So I was always in her plays. I started out as my first role was just a stage prop in her play when I was two. And um, (laughs) I just couldn't afford a babysitter. So (laughs) so like, um, you know, I mean, there were no... You know, people grow up in like these show business backgrounds with like drugs and all sorts of wild sex. And for me, it was just, you know, pastrami. (laughs) (laughs) And and on the one hand, like it sounds like this unbridled childhood. But on the other hand, it was really, you know, luckily there were no, you know, there wasn't like that whole drug party scene in addition. Like, you know, you know, so I I still, um, you know, it was kind of Hamisha, if you know that word. It's, um, you know. (laughs) Uh, and it was, it was a really nice, my childhood was so good that it made it hard to be an adult, even though my father wasn't around that much when I was a kid. Um, it was like when adulthood hits you, it's like, wow, I, this, I can't get all the things I want, (laughs) you know, not, not monetarily speaking, but like emotionally, you know? Well, and that's the funny thing too, is, you know, we've talked to a lot of comics on this show who are, you know, they're working, traveling comics. They're on the road, always they're touring, they're doing festivals while raising a family because it's such a it is one of those jobs where it's like you're always working at night you're in clubs you're on stages at night you're always on the road you're always in some other city you're always at some festival so it's it's tough to sort of find that balance but it's funny in a way too because most people look at comics and look at the comedy lifestyle and they think exactly all the things you just said like it's all just sex drugs and rock and roll and you know a life of debauchery and darkness and all that that certainly exists but for comics like yourself where you grew up with that, it sort of gave, like your father was a working road dog traveling comic and an entertainer and an actor and all this stuff. But there's sort of that balance in a way of having that sort of sane semblance of a family life in the background. So when you're off stage, you're kind of just this normal person in a way. Right. 
Well, he in particular was never like a normal person, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, He's a I comic for a reason. Yeah, he was never like a normal person. But um, but he wasn't like, you know, like I said, like, you know, there was none of that whole that whole party scene. So, right. But it's amazing when people really do raise families and, and are on the road all the time. You know, I give them a lot of kudos because it's just not easy. You know, well, and in a way, there's almost this I mean, certainly, I mean, yeah, obviously, your father came from this era, but there's almost this old schoolness to it where it's like, a lot of comics will come up and they'll treat it as, you know, their job is just an ever ending party in a weird way. But there's also that old school mentality of like, no, this is a pursuit. This is a trade. This is a business. So it's like you, you there's there's that generation of comics that almost looked at going on stage and telling jokes to a bar full of people the same way that you might look at being a tailor or a construction where, you know, it was just hey. this real school. Like, this is what I do. It's the same as being a doctor. This is my trade. This is my pursuit. Sort of an old school mentality there in a way. Right. And even though you're surrounded by this like sort of, you know, sordid atmosphere, you know, and, and like this, you know, parties, it's it's not a, it's not always a party. You know, you're really there to focus. And I think that's why so many of us, you know, a lot of comics will get lost into the throes of alcoholism or, you know, because it's hard to delineate like, yeah, this is my job, but also this is fun. Like I'm out having fun and there's all these people <laughs> yeah. and like, there's booze everywhere. And it's like. Wait, and then, like, the guys get lost in, like, you know, the constant with the girls. You know, my father himself fell prey to uh, women, <laughs> as you know. Well, yeah. Poor man. <laughs> All right. <we're... laughs> I want to get back to, yeah, what we can look forward to on this festival and also what's some of the stuff that the famous Sheba Mason is going to be tackling here in Toronto coming up this March. It's the return of Toronto's Jewish Comedy Festival. We'll be back with more Ronan and Sheba right here on Inside Jokes. This is Shiva Mason, and you're listening to Inside Jokes. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, right here on 640 Toronto, and of course, as always, streaming coast to coast on the Global News Network. This week's episode is brought to you by, quite frankly, no one. We are an open, we are open for business here on Inside Jokes. We'll give a shout out to our sponsor of Seven Seasons, Hakeem Optical. But uh, yeah, we we are open for biz right here on Inside Jokes. Do you want to sponsor a modestly listened to Canadian radio show all about the comedy business <laughs> on pseudo-conservative talk radio? This is exactly the show for you, my friends. Anyways, we are back with the full fourth return of Toronto's Co Jewish Comedy Festival, which it's fantastic to see this coming back and to see festival season back in full bloom here in Toronto. We got Ronan Geisler, the man behind the plan, the producer of that festival, and of course, the infamous Sheba Mason, who is coming up to headline this very fest here in Toronto. Sheba, before the break, we were, of course, talking about how, you know, comedy is this weird sort of lifestyle job and growing up around that. Uh, before we get into sort of the, the meat and potatoes of what to expect at this actual festival... One thing I was curious about for you, was that... Was jumping into comedy something that you always knew that you also wanted to pursue? Like... Because I know, I mean, the showbiz families are not a new thing. There's certainly acting dynasties and all this stuff. But when you have a when you have two parents who are already in the industry, did you always know like I want to do that too? And comics are naturally competitive, whether it's your father or not. Was there sort of, like is there do you get like a Jacob Dylan complex ever? <laughs> uh, well, here's the thing. So 
um, from a very young age, this other comedian took me under his wing named Frankie Mann. He's now passed away. And I lived in South Florida. And there's this whole thing called the South Florida condo circuit, which is like these condos that people live in have giant, giant theaters. So like they'll have like a 25 seat, 2,500 seat theater, you know, with like a live right. band. So this guy, uh, Frankie Mann, uh, from the time I was six years old, would bring me on stage and I would sing a couple of songs I sing too and have some patter with him. You know, and um, like he would say, are you really Jackie Mason's daughter? And I said, well, to tell you the truth, with a face like this, who else could I be? And that was like really, <laughs> I don't like a little girl, you know, and it's like the, it was, um, you know, he was really big. This is like the, the 90s, you know, and he was still really big. He had just opened um, one of his shows on Broadway, The World According to Me, uh, Jackie Mason. And so I never felt like um, competitive with him because I sort of always, it was almost like this, uh, this halo, you know, that yeah. you couldn't see like over my head. So it was like, you know, I was like a, not like a big child star, but in a way it was like a child star, you know? So I, I was sort of always taught to like appreciate that, you know? All right, Dean, I'll sponsor your you I a girl, she about a girl. So this is wrote in the so the return of the fest. I mean, full force obviously after the the last couple of years where everything sort of went on pause. It's nice to see all these festivals come back. Now, I mean, a lot of the comics on the fest, and I mean, Sheba yourself included. I don't know. It's sort of a ripe time right now in comedy. It's sort of a double edged sword because it's like there's a lot of comics that really there's so much stuff that's ripe for politics and satire right now. I don't know how much that you know whether that factors into what you do as a comic or not. But it's such a ripe time. There's so much to talk about going on in real time in the world right now. Is any of that playing into this fest right now? Or are you kind of sidestepping that and being like, I just want people to come out and put the put the news on pause and actually just come out and laugh again every night and just actually forget about all that stuff? Because there's a lot of sort of topical things right now. For this festival, certainly, I mean, one thing that's all over the news is there's this weird sort of rise in anti-Semitism again. And a lot of comics are tackling that right now. And a lot of, I mean, Steven Spielberg just did this whole like op-ed piece talking about it. Uh, but a lot of comics are tackling that right now. Is there a temptation as a comics to talk about that kind of stuff on this fest, or do you just sort of want to keep the serious at bay and come out and laugh again after the last couple of years? Well, that's a great question. I mean, anti-Semitism was even just seen in New York City. I don't know if you noticed that, like with the Broadway show and like they were protesting, um, like there were neo-Nazis and stuff. So yeah. I think, I think um, as a comedian, it's, look, we're there to make people laugh, right? But is it, does is it our job to bring awareness to something that's you know a little scary i don't know is i mean do you think it's our job i don't know if it's our job but if we're not going to do it with humor then who's going to do it you know um will i tackle it i mean i have jokes about being jewish but now i'm kind of thinking i shouldn't do them after all <laughs> it's right there in the name of the festival and everything yeah <laughs> well it is true because it's sort of like a two-sided coin for a lot of comics right now because you know comics are the first people to tackle this stuff as it happens in real life and take all the sort of big scary things in real life and in in that moment and find the funny in it right and mm. we're living in a strange time right now where there's so much topical stuff that's ripe for that but we've also all been stuck at home for two and a half three years watching this endless news cycle and being inundated by this stuff so now that live comedy and festivals like this are back it's there's also that temptation to actually not talk, cover that stuff because we kind of want to break from it too so it's kind of comics are sort of finding this weird divide as far as that goes right now 
Well, it's almost like a post-apocalyptic world, right? After COVID. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or pre-apocalyptic. Pre we don't really know what's going to happen next. <laughs> right. But it's it's like, you know, because of COVID, all these other, there's like such a trickle-down effect of like, you know, the effects of everyone staying home and the effects of businesses. And then, you know, and then like, you know, the all the rioting and then so many things happened like kind of as a result of, COVID and people being locked in for so long, um, you know, do we keep discussing COVID? Do we be taught, like, you know, are we sick of hearing it? So I think we'd have to write yeah. a bunch of material before March 19th. <laughs> there you go. Just workshop it here and then see how it goes. <laughs> and if it doesn't work, then just say, you know, thank you, Ronan, and there you go. Uh, all right. Well, obviously, we could talk to both of you all day, but before we do wrap it up, uh, so... Ronan, where can we get tickets? Where can we check out Sheba Live coming up? Where can we find the festival online? All of that good stuff. All right. So the Jewish Comedy Festival, the one in Toronto, it's Jewish Princesses. That's going to be on March 19th at the Prosterman JCC. And then we're also going to be going to Ottawa. So we're going to launch the festival in Ottawa on Tuesday, March 21st. That should also be a good show. We also got Ben Bankus. He's going to be hosting that show. So you can find all the information at jewishcomedyfestival.com. There we go. Perfect. All right, Ronan Geisler, always a pleasure. And again, I love seeing the return of this festival and just good independent yeah, stuff you. like this being produced again, uh, especially after the last couple of years. Shiva Mason, thank you so much for joining us today as well, especially on LA time. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's noon out there. That's not that bad, but that's still kind of early for comics. But thank you so much for joining us. And we can't wait to see you live coming up in Toronto. And uh, yeah, thank you for coming and actually headlining this fest here in the city. It's going to be a, a good time had by all. <laughs> I'm so excited. Oh, first time in Ottawa then? Yeah. There Good you go. Luck. It's uh <laughs> it's our Washington DC without Yeah, the there you go. <laughs> you get the, the bed early in Ottawa. That's for sure. All right. For our listeners at home, do not miss these shows. Check it out here in Toronto. And of course, if you're tuning in from Ottawa, go check it out in the nation's capital, the return of Canada's Jewish Comedy Festival, with of course Sheba Mason headlining here in Toronto. We will be right back with more inside jokes. Hi, my name's Dan Gallia, and I drank way too much milk last night, and I feel like I'm going to puke. But you're watching Inside Jokes. Get my album, Inter Dan Menchie. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, baby. Hey, right here on 640 Toronto, and of course, as always, streaming everywhere across the known universe if you have the internet on global news online this week's episode is brought to you by quite literally not a soul no sponsor whatsoever here on inside jokes we are open for business <laughs> in season oh, eight we're getting back to the studio it's a post-pandemic <laughs> world things are happening here in season seven and a half uh, of course thank you again to ronan geisler bringing toronto's jewish comedy festival back this march and of course sheba mason will be headlining shows coming up in toronto and ottawa for that fest we are switching gears now, though. We're coming back to Toronto. We have Dan Galea, a Toronto comic and producer who's no stranger to audiences in this city for not just as a performer yourself, Dan, but of course, you, you've always produced some very interesting new format shows in this city. You've always kind of done a lot of stuff that nobody else was really doing with live shows in Toronto. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I invented the COVID safe show before COVID even existed, really. I mean, that is kind of we, true. We were doing comedy on the river where, like, people, we still do it this summer, it's coming back, but uh, where people rent a kayak or canoe and then canoe to the middle of the Humber River 
where we do the show on a dock and you're at least a canoe or kayaks length away from people. So, and it's all outside. So we could do that through COVID and it's like, you know, pretty great. And then the garage shows in the backyard and everything's outside or, you know, (laughs) in a garage on a river. It's yeah. Basically you're, you looked at what Southern Baptists do and you said that, but a comedy show is basically. Yeah. That seems to really work out for the Southern Baptists. (laughs) I really like the one you did, Dan, where you had the show in the ICU. That I thought was a very (laughs) good They said that was a lot of best medicine. We of you course also I have your sponsor was dumb. I don't think you should have sponsored it. Lyft should not have been the sponsor because you're already there. Or <laughs> you didn't need you, know, you didn't need an ambulance. No, you're you're absolutely right about that. I that know. was a big mistake in hindsight. It was a big mistake. Yeah. Yeah. And of course that other voice we're we're hearing no stranger to our audiences on this oh, show oh. is the one and only Scott Thompson, which by the way, so we were gonna get to this, but Dan, you have oh. your your debut comedy album, which is dropping coming up this April 1st, as the kids say, this is an album, two decades in the making for you, which I want to pick your brain on that. Like why, you know, why the timeline on that? But of course, Scott Thompson produced this album with you and appears on this album as well. So how did you guys end up teaming up on this whole thing? Well, um, Scott, do you want to talk about that? No, no, Dan. I just was driving with Dan one day and I was talking some stuff and I just see him do a show and I went, why don't you make an album? Why don't I give you a bit of money and make an album? That was it. Yeah. yeah. And I, he was like, why don't you have an album yet? I said, basically money and fear. And oh, yeah. uh, he took care so of the I money. Said, now yeah. I'm just scared to death. <laughs> so I said, boo. And then I handed him some cash. There you go. Yeah. Well, And that's kind of the funny thing, too, is because, you know, there's a lot of comics in this country that always said, you know, you have to wait 20 years to do an album. You got to hit the road for X amount of years and you got to play X amount of clubs and until until something is album ready. There's sort of two schools of thought on it now because there is that feeling, Dan, of like, you know, you've been at this a long time and you've produced some pretty infamous shows here in Toronto. And I mean, you've been at this for two decades plus as a performer. So there's there, it's sort of a paradox now because it's like once you put something out there, it's out there forever. So you want to make sure it's like seaworthy and honed and it's exactly where you want it to be because it is sort of a time capsule for you as a comic. It's where you are at that point in time. Mm-hmm. But we also now live in this era where People can, you know, some people are doing mics for a year now and going, here's my album, because you can do that, because there's, you yeah. can do that and you can monetize it and all that stuff. So it's sort of a double-edged sword in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think definitely things have changed and uh, people are putting out albums a lot sooner now. And uh, they're, we're watching them grow into the comedians that we want them to be. And then, you know, hopefully they put out that like groundbreaking album when we they finally find their voice and all that stuff. And, you know, I'm sure there's people that don't like that and people that think that's, you know, you shouldn't do that till you're completely ready and teach their own opinion. But for me, I, uh, I at least know I'm hopefully ready now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, um, I have so much content that I haven't put out. Uh, and it's really just because I've divided my attention from producing to like, you know, acting and doing comedy and doing musical comedy and sketch and improv and stand up. I think I really couldn't figure out what to land on. And I was going to put out a stand up album and this kind of just happened. So, uh, you know, I hope to put out a stand up album in the future and a sketch album in the future. But I just had to kind of pick one and then be like, OK, this is what I'm doing. Let's just put this stuff out solidify it cement it in history do a little uh you know a run of it and then move on and start stand-up album kind of thing which by the way interdimensional is of course the name of this debut album. interdimensional 
or interdimensional, <laughs> which is funny too, because your shows here in Toronto, the live stuff you've produced again, you've done, you know, these sort of interesting formats and bizarre locations that nobody else was tackling. And your shows have always been sort of mixed, mixed themes and mixed variety and mixed format. So what exactly can listeners expect on this, on this album? Cause again, it's not, yeah, it's not just your sort of clear cut. Here's me doing 60 minutes of jokes at this yuck yucks one night and I taped it and here it is. It's, I mean, you're sort of this mixed format person as a performer and as a producer. So a lot of that must be on this album. Yeah. I mean, even when I do stand up, I try to think of it as like my own show and I'm not trying to like confide to the rules of the stand up kind of thing. I'm like, no, I can do whatever. I can do music. I can do my own one man sketch or whatever. The album, uh, you know, the songs have been written over the past 20 years. So you are kind of watching me grow uh, on the album, but, it's a mix of genres because I uh, musically, I don't get to choose what I make. I actually don't know how to play music, uh, you know, like everyone else. I kind of layer things to make uh, a track. And then at the end I go, oh, that sounds like a disco song. <laughs> and then I try to make something uh, to that. That's my, that's how I work. So it's like the album ends up being whatever came out of me literally. And then yeah. I, uh, I got, people like Morgan Waters and Gavin Wellahan and then, uh, people like that to like take my rough copies and be like, oh, I know what you're doing. You're making a disco song here. And, you know, they were so nice that they were like, let's keep your original tracks and we'll work on them so that it's your base thing, you know? And I was like, no, just redo everything. And they're like, no, it's good enough that we can sprinkle our own stuff on and we can do it. So that's what you can expect it's kind of a smorgasbord which is why it's called interdimensional it's kind of a it's the idea that each song is sung by a different dan from a different dimension which that, I, I, I love that. sucked into a different genre of music you know i love that whole format too it's kind of you know like you said you were it's sort of like this fear element of like is this ready do i put this out now but i mean scott as you know you've certainly We've certainly seen how much the Canadian comedy landscape has changed, really, even just in the last couple of years. And in a weird way, the pandemic kind of didn't hurt with this aspect of it, because, you know, this in this country, it's it's a small pool to begin with. You both know that it's a small industry to begin with. There's not even a pool. There's not it's even a pool. It's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a large puddle. <laughs> and that's what it always was, though, right? It was always like, OK. I have to get on these three festivals. I have to get signed by one of these two clubs. I have to get signed by this booker. And that was it. And those were those sort of narrow channels that you could go through. And I mean, certainly Scott, for you and the kids, it was, I got to get picked up by this network and that's it. There was always these very narrow channels to go through. Mm -hmm. Now we're seeing this sort of new thing happening in Canadian comedy where comics have sort of, because there's all these new platforms and because it's easier to self-produce, the gatekeepers are still there, but they aren't as important in a way that they used to be because comics have found all these platforms to now sort of build your own audience. You could put yes, out your own. Are content. they making any money? Well, that's the thing. Are we figuring out how to monetize this stuff, do you think, or not really? No, <laughs> not really. So I think the gatekeepers have just as much power as before. I think it's an illusion that we are a, a lot freer because as Dan was talking about people that are putting out comic uh, uh, albums within a year, no one's going to buy that. Yeah. Well, that's their how friends do you... might, but yeah. truthfully, the thing about Dan's album that's so great is that he's been doing it for a long time. He's seasoned and, and he's, it's not just uh, funny. It's very musical. Like it's a real album. Like you can listen yeah. to it, yeah. even if you have no sense of humor. You know, so Canada still has its gatekeepers and it's good that people can still work, but it's kind of an illusion because they still have the illusion that that at the end there's like um, 
like there's something at the end, like a television show or a career or money <laughs> and, or stardom. But those things aren't really real in Canada. That is unbelievably rare. And without American intervention, almost impossible. Well, and there's also this, I don't know if it's just, you know, because our attention spans are shorter now and because there are, you know, this is generation TikTok and all this stuff. But there is also this element now in Canadian comic for newer comics st starting out. There's this impatience to it. It's well, that's, like, that's true. Yeah. You know, it's like, I've been doing mics for six months. I am now a comedian. Well, no, because you, you yeah. still have a job. You're going out and doing mics at nighttime. Yes. But, it, you know, or I've been doing mics for six months and I'm putting out this album. Like, yeah, you can do that stuff. But there's a difference between honing something over decades and putting out something not because you're using it just as a calling card and because you're trying to be seen, but because you're putting out something at a point where you are finally like, this that's is something right. that's honed and I'm it's proud like, of. Nobody hires a journeyman plumber. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You want a guy who's been around. <laughs> and so these albums are journeyman plumber albums, a lot of them. I'm not saying that they won't eventually be great. Some people are just great from the top. There right. are people that are like that, but that is unbelievably rare well because it's kind of yeah. I, I just wanted to say working off what scott said about like you know like is anyone making money i actually think that like uh, scott i don't know if you'd agree with this but like it's almost the same as the old way because like in in reality mm -hmm. even in television only a select few people get to make money like it's not mm -hmm. like everyone that gets into comedy or acting gets like a lifetime of uh, money from that. Right. And so with uh, like TikTok and like uh, online videos, I feel like it's the same. It's just opened a new door where it's yeah. like you do have a few comedians that are making money doing it, but mm -hmm. it's very few of them. Very few. And most people are like going, what the hell is that person doing? That's yeah. so different from what I'm doing. And the truth is it's like, I don't know. They found some, Thing in the algorithm or they hired a publicist that like knew what they were doing or something and then they get to have that success and it's like there's no industry where everybody that applies gets to be the best rich person and you know what i mean so it's right like, no and it, uh, and it shouldn't be like that like you think no. not everybody should succeed i mean Absolutely i'm fine not. for that that's fine but the thing about canada is it's very difficult to succeed and then have it sustained that's Absolutely. almost that almost never happens yeah. Look at me. Right. And there is kind of this this feeling almost with, you know, newer comics now coming up, especially here in Toronto. There is that sort of attitude of like, well, everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to sure you Yeah, that's awful. You know, and yeah, I mean awful. you're more than welcome to. Everybody is welcome to go hit up an amateur night and hit up a mic and try it out if it's something you always, yeah. that's for sure. But the fat falls off the bone somewhere along the way. There's gonna be for some people this is gonna be a hobby, for some people this is yeah. gonna be a career. And yeah. a lot of people forget that in Canada, doing this as a career, that is a lifelong pursuit because you are constantly, mm -hmm. you're not going for riches and fame. You're just trying to do what you love for a living. But again, it is a very, as you said, Scott, it's not even a yeah. tool. It's but a, you know what? This country could do a lot. They could help by giving people a little riches and fame. Yes. Because to pretend that we're altruistic and don't need it is ludicrous. Yeah. We need it. And it's yeah. not impossible either. I mean, you know, no. we... we you know, this whole star system conversation we've always we had. We need a star system. We, we do, and it's not impossible, yeah. but we have a very bad habit, in, and we'll come back from break with this, but yeah, as you know, Scott, I mean, we have a very bad habit in this country of we don't take ownership of our own talent until the States has. And then we reclaim them, and then we go, oh, they're Canadian, and we're so proud of them. But we, we weren't doing that when they were here. We wait until they get famous, 
Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Can we end this segment on a Norm Macdonald quote about this? Absolutely, oh yes. God. Norm Macdonald goes, uh, he was on Mark Marin, and Mark Marin said, why are there so many funny people in, from Canada? And Norm Macdonald said, ah, well, that's uh, that's easy. Uh, see, in the States, when you uh, do stand-up and you do a show or something, and then someone sees you, uh, you end up getting a writing job or uh, yeah, your own TV show. He's like, in Canada, uh, you practice forever. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely <laughs> right. You practice God, forever. Sometimes. It is. Like... <laughs> yeah. That is perfect. Of course, normal. Yeah, that and, and so true. We are still really at the end of the day. A kid at the kitchen table. That's what really killed Norm, the lack of a star system. The lack of a star system. There we go. (laughs) All right, we're going to come back with more Dangalia and Scott Thompson. We'll be back with more right here on Inside Jokes. Hi, this is Scott Thompson. You're listening to Inside Jokes. And even though I sound like I have as much mucus in my throat and lungs as Dan does, it's not because I drank a lot of milk. It's just that I'm phlegmy. Welcome back to Inside Jokes right here on 640 Toronto and of course streaming all over the earth where there's Tay Internets on Global News Online. Brought to you this week by absolutely no one. Do you have a food truck in Toronto, a corner store, a theater that's near closing? We'll take it all. You can sponsor this radio show right now for season eight. We <laughs> And of course we have Dan Galea whose who's, who's new album Interdimensional drops this April 1st. Dan? I'm telling you right now, we have, I mean, this album was produced by Scott Thompson. After you appear on this show, that's it. You're going to blow up with this album. I'm telling you right oh, now. Come on. Oh, man. That's why I'm here. Sponsors. <laughs> that's what Scott said. He's like, look for a radio show with no sponsors. It's the only way I'll do best yeah. with you. Like, this <laughs> week, starting this week, no sponsors. It's just like, it's just like the border after COVID. We're just open for business. <laughs> All it is. Wow, we need a rim shot there. (laughs) It's an exciting time in Canadian comedy. We're back. We're open for business. We're not in the studio again yet, but you know, we'll get there. Another season or two, maybe. I don't know. But uh, this album album comes out April, and you uh, you also so you're doing a uh, live album release show as well coming up here in Toronto. Yeah, uh, so it comes out April 1st on Apple Music and Spotify. You can get a physical copy on an 8-gig uh, USB wristband on my website, dangalia.ca, uh, for 20 bucks, And it comes with some stuff, uh, some stickers, a bouncy ball, you know, the normal stuff. And then uh, April 2nd, uh, I'm doing an album release party show at the supermarket. Scott will be there. I'll be there. Uh, Garrett Jameson is hosting, Keith Pedro, Al Val's playing guitar and some songs, uh, and uh, Bita Jodaki is also going to be opening. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a super fun time. I used to do all my shows at the supermarket back in the day with the boom and Primo and all these old sketch troops. Yeah. So kind of bringing it back and uh, doing it on a Sunday, just like my old sketch troupe Sunday Night Live. So it's all, uh, you know, coming together. Which, by the way, I mean, um, for both of you, of course, I mean, Scott, obviously you and the rest of the kids, you used to, the Rivoli was a was a favorite stage of yours. And I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the supermarket that you mentioned, Dan, and a lot of those old troops as well, the boom and, and also doing Sunday Night Live and all that. It's kind of funny where we're at now because these sort of like little cult rooms in Toronto where quote unquote alternative comedy was kind of being born. 
now that's sort of now that's sort of the main stage. I mean, you look yes. at there's there's two comedy bars now. Now it's this Canada wide mm -hmm. destination to come here and play comedy bars. The times have changed indeed, haven't they? Here in Toronto, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. for and sure. still no I one's mean, making any money. But you know, yeah, still no one's <laughs> making any money. <laughs> we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. I swear <laughs> it's going to happen one day. But it's kind of funny. I mean, like, and and as you said, I mean, twenty years going into this album, but it, again, it recalls this time when you were certainly starting out, and a lot of the troops you mentioned were starting out, and a lot of the comics were starting out. People were just doing these weird new format shows and sort of coming up with these eccentric ideas that just nobody else had thought of before. And these new venues and these new cult rooms were sort of being born out of that. And it's such a different landscape now. You look at a lot of the great old rooms that comics used to love to just go and hang out at every week in this city. And I mean, of course, Spirits, the late, great Joe Downey, uh, Eaton House, uh, Mondays at the Riv. I know that's, I think, has come back. But there's so many of these great heritage rooms that just aren't around anymore and that this generation... Yeah, you're right. You just you made me sad. I just realized, right? man, what, happened to, what happened to the Eaton Room? That was a great yeah. place. There were so many great yeah. places like that to just go and just, again, it was, it was half about workshopping ideas and they always had loyal crowds there, but it was also half about just, these were sort of favorite hangouts for comics to just. What about Puff Mama? And remember, and, and the pop yeah. Yeah. Underground. Yeah, the underground. underground. Yeah. Wow. That was like, if they ever going to do a story, like a movie on the uh, Toronto comedy scene, that's definitely one of the places that is it really was. such a history. It was, was it really was. And, it, and it was it was also just about hanging out with other comics too. I think that's one thing that sort and of And the denizens, the people that I mean, I mean the people that came, not denizens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, Can I just I say mean, though? I mean patrons. God. Patrons. <laughs> like, like, yeah. I, I have to say though, like when I was coming up, like with the Skechersons and Sunday Night Live back in the day, like it was people like Scott Thompson here and Sean Collin and Colin Mockery who like really lifted up that scene because they were the people that we all looked up to and they were the people that didn't have they didn't need to do any of our shows like they really didn't but they did it because they actually loved it which really inspired me I know I know it inspired a lot of people but it's like when you see people doing stuff because they love it and they really have succeeded in your eyes and hopefully in their eyes too and it's like you know you're like holy shit like this is a reason to do this this is the reason because it's 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 what we love doing and it's, it's like fun. it's really it was fun and yeah you know there was never i don't remember a time when scott said no and to me uh for when i asked him to do a show and did, he was I, like I, unless he I, did say, show. I did say no to this interview but then you <laughs> me. I, remember I did i, I said was no. crying on the phone and scott yeah. Yeah, you just have to cry. And that's when you, you thought want, we but... had a studio, Scott. Yeah, I said, and you said, there's a studio. Don't believe you go in. It's a physical space. They're together. They'll be coffee. You'll be able to flirt. You'll be, be really able to... excited about the coffee. Yeah. And here we are. I want Isn't that so true about Canadian comedy, though? I mean, it really is. You know, it's kind of bleak when we always go back to the yeah, end. Nobody's making any money. But it it really is all about the love of the game in Canada. I really do think that's to be. You know, it, it has to be. And I really do think that's why it's so much, for whatever reason, as Canadians, comedy is so much in our national culture and it's in our DNA. I mean, that's our gross export is comedy, really. Even when we yeah, don't it's because when you're not taken seriously, you become funny or bitter. <laughs> or you, yeah, but also or you that's true. Like, can I just say, if I can give some advice to anyone listening... It's do this because you love it and because you want to make people laugh. 
once you start thinking about it as a business and you try to make money, that's when it's not fun anymore. Yeah. And the thing is, I bet I don't know this for sure because I haven't succeeded in this way yet. But I have to assume that if you do it for the right reasons and you're 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 true to yourself, people will notice and you will get what you deserve. You know, and that's like you keep on ending these segments on such a positive note. For I know. The I, know. I have to. I've tried very to. hard to get that out of Dan, but <laughs> no, open micers is no such luck. You know what, though? Canadian comics, I mean, oh boy, were we ever reminded of that this last couple of years. Canadian comics are nothing if not resilient, that's for sure. Like, we're going to find a way to do open mics during the nuclear winter coming up. That's what we're going to be doing. Nothing can stop Canadian comics. We can talk to you both all day, though. But once again, before we wrap it up, uh, Dan Galea, where can we find Interdimensional? What platforms can we download this coming up? It'll be on all the streaming platforms, Apple Music, Spotify. You get a physical copy at my website, dangalia.ca. And uh, look for more info about all this stuff on my Instagram at BG Special. There we go. And of course, the one and only Scott Thompson. Where can we where can we stalk you online, sir, for our oh, listeners? Don't worry about me. This is about Dan. I'll be, I'll be <laughs> back. I'll be back soon for my own All right. <laughs> there we go. Maybe we'll be in a studio. We'll see. All right. Scott Thompson, Dan Gallia, thank you both so much. And again, we can't thank wait you. to check out this album. And of course, don't forget, listeners here in Toronto, check out that live album release show coming up at, again, the supermarket. Another great heritage room here in Toronto. It's nice to see shows happening there again. That is our show. That is our panel. Thank you all so much. Don't forget, you can tune in every Saturday night here on 640 Toronto, and you can listen to all of our episodes right back to the dawn of time, back when we had a radio studio. All It's all there on Global News Online. That is our show. We'll be back next week with a sponsor. I don't know. Tune in and find out. Hi, this is Alicia Carusi, and you're listening to my aunt, Sandra Carusi's Comedy Rx. This week, we're listening to Dan Galea. Well... It's been a long couple years, and a lot of us have spent a lot of time inside. But now, a lot of us are getting to go out again. Except me. Not really my jam. Every time you ask me to go out, every time you ask me to go out, I'm always thinking to myself, I'm always thinking to myself, why's this lady trying to get me to? Go outside when I just wanna be cool. I don't wanna go out. I don't wanna go out. I'll stay right here all by myself. I don't wanna go out. I don't wanna go out. You think I wanna go, but you'd be thinking wrong. Every time I look at you, every time I look at you, you're trying to get me. Somewhere with you Let's go to the mall Let's go to the club I got an idea Let's stay right here I don't Want to But you'd be thinking wrong